Hi, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Friday Reporter Podcast. I'm Lisa, your host, and this podcast is in partnership with PR Daily. You've got to hear about this great conference that PR Daily is doing May 11th in New York City. Uh, It's the Media Relations and Measurement Conference, and I'm going to be there. I'm going to be hosting a couple of panels. We're going to talk about what's happening, what's landing in the newsroom, what's, you know, what's making it in in the paper, all that cool stuff. So find more information about this great conference May 11th in person, yay, uh, online at prdaily.com or hit me up at lisa at fridayreporter.com. Thanks, guys. Hello, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter podcast. This episode is with Madeline Burke, who is the media editor at the Business Insider. And what makes this conversation, I think, even more exciting is that Maddie, not we have not met in person, but we'll meet in a week and a half at the Media Affairs Conference for PR Daily in New York City on May 11th. Join us there, guys. Come on, it's going to be in person. Maddie, thanks so much for being with me. Thank you. I cannot wait for next week. I'm so ready for in-person events to be happening again. Tell the truth. I mean, it's going to take me a minute to figure out what to wear again, (laughs) but I'm happy to take that all on. Uh, It's like, it's all of this new stuff, like, you know, like reminding yourself, like how to get on the train, how to get to New York, how to get around. I mean, mean, I can't wear my like sweatpant uniform I've been living in. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but I just ordered another pair of like athleisure and I'm like, I'm gonna have to stop. Like I have to turn (laughs) off that and go back to find something that's actually appropriate. Or we can all just go to athleisure wear. I'm, I'm good with that too, because it fits a lot better than the real stuff. Uh, Anyway, so Maddie, Thank you. Thank you so much for for jumping on the podcast episode and for sitting with me for a little while. I'm so interested in your background because um, Business Insider is everywhere. um, But the work that you do there is is like media and business and and but before we even get there, like, tell me a little bit about yourself and your background. How did you get started in journalism? So um, I feel like I've been in journalism now since I was probably 12, so almost 20 years. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think that I, I it was just the activity I chose at school. Um, in middle school and in high school, I just said I want to be on the school newspaper, and I liked it, thank God, because... I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't good at music or sports, so I needed something. <laughs> um, and so I, 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 you know, I did it throughout high school. I had a little column. My last name is Berg called tip of the Berg, where it was like a little advice column. I love it. And then, yeah, it was, it's hilarious to read back. Um, I don't know who I thought I was like giving advice to people at age 15. You know, um, some, but- <laughs> sometimes those words are pretty wise though. I have two teenagers that live here and sometimes I'm like, well, that probably isn't terrible <laughs> advice. Anyway, so <laughs> Um, and then I, you know, I did it throughout college. Um, upon graduating, I was at Forbes, um, and I did a, wore a bunch of hats there. Um, I was on their billionaires team doing kind of the big lists that Forbes does, but, Mm -hmm. but it was always kind of with the media and entertainment focus. And and then I, for a number of years was on the entertainment team, um, looking at, uh, everyone from the highest paid actors like The Rock and, um, Jennifer Aniston to, um, you know, moguls like Oprah Winfrey or Steven Spielberg or wow. David Geffen. So kind of really, um, that was like, obviously the greatest school you could ever do. Um, I learned so much about business and I learned so much about, um, these, this world. And then, and then I moved over to business insider in August of last year, actually. So I'm relatively new there and I, and I love it. I am, um, 
part of a team that does a lot of different kind of media writing, um, which is, I think, important that we're kind of advancing and to include creator, the creator economy and social media, yeah. as well as traditional media and, and more um, celebrity businesses, Hollywood, that kind of thing as well. Well, it is, I, it feels like, well, everything is changing, right? I mean, there have been so many changes from the time that you entered into the media field, even till today. Media is not sort of, it's not, it's no longer sort of that, that, you know, you stop off and you pick up the paper and you're on your way. It's no longer just the website of the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. It is News is everywhere, and 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 there's a lot of different resources. And some of the past stories that I've seen that you cover really does take a deeper dive and a deeper look at some of these places that that people are getting their information that aren't necessarily the traditional news outlets that we are, you know, regularly that we used to think about as as those resources and the ownership and the purchases and all of the things that are happening. I mean, just just this week, this our our conversation will air next week, but just this yeah. week, the whole the acquisition or maybe the acquisition or uh, who know whoever knows yeah. of Twitter, right? There's so much that's happening in that space. How do you? Um, I mean, when you when you wake up in the morning, like what kinds of things are you looking for in terms of like what's the next story? How does that process work for you? You know, I got to say, I could not be more impressed with my the people on my team who are generally a little younger and um, are so savvy. The pitches I get that somebody saw something on TikTok that they followed up on Reddit and then they went to Twitter to see if people were talking about and then we come and full circle and it's this, you know, oh, story about a scam that is going on around on Instagram. It's so cool the way that they, uh, that, 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 that kind of these people who are maybe in their early 20s are just mm-hmm. finding information. They consume it differently. Am- Right. I, I know. Mean, yeah. It's really, it's so cool. Um, and it's, I mean, it's sometimes, and you know, I've like used their tips. I go on Reddit now, right. When I need to find what everybody's talking about, about one thing, I will say, I, I love the, the kind of newsletter, um, revolution that's, I guess, happened in the last couple of years. Um, I subscribe to a bunch and I, I read all of those. Um, I try to read, you know, one at night before I go to sleep and one in the morning, mm-hmm. um, to start my day. Um, specifically and, about media or, or is, or is there a whole host of things that you're looking you at? You know, I do find, I read a few, I read, you know, um, reliable sources, Brian Stalters. I read, um, Axios has a great media newsletter on Tuesdays. I read, uh, the Hollywood Reporters newsletter as well, just to kind of get the, the more entertainment side. We have a great newsletter that is on a hiatus, but is launching in a couple of weeks about the creator economy. Um, but I, I, I kind of, I read a bunch to kind of just know what's going on and know what I maybe missed, especially because we're working on stories that are, um, you know, maybe second day takes, right? So the news happens on Monday, whatever, Elon Musk buys Twitter on Monday. Mm-hmm. What is our take on Tuesday? Yeah. Netflix lays off people on Thursday. What's our take on Friday? What can we add to the conversation? So I think that I, you know, it's so nice now to have these, these places that just gather it, tell you the basics, and then you can just figure out what, what would be of interest to follow. follow yeah. Follow the trail or sort of like put a finer point on what's happening. That's, I mean, it's, it feels like every day there is also like media news because so much is changing, right? I mean, the subscription, um, all of that news that happened over the course of the, this has been a busy week this week. I know it was like CNN plus Netflix earnings, mm-hmm. um, 
Twitter and then Netflix layoffs in like, I guess, 10 days. It was, it was a lot. So <laughs> much. And so Maddie, if you like, if you're sort of putting on your, you know, like your cap sort of forecasting what you think is happening, like what inside the root, I mean, maybe, maybe what are these younger people thinking? Like, what is some of the, what do you think the trends are? What is that really, what are you making of some of that? I heard something really interesting um, the other day. I think it was on, I want to cite the right person. It was on Pop Chat, which is a podcast and mm-hmm. another podcast. And it's, someone said, maybe Netflix is like, cut, like cutting Netflix will be cutting the cord. Kind of the same thing. Like who is that? Is Are people going to be starting to cut Netflix the way you and I, you know, or I actually have cable, but the way I was going to say, I still have cable girl, I love cable, (laughs) but the way, the way that people were cutting the cord, because you know, they're just like, there are too many offerings. It's not specific enough. And, 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 and kind of this bigger conversation is it has so much stuff on it. It's almost the same as going scrolling through channels. Like, am I going to eventually like going to get, you know, the reason we liked Netflix originally is because you went on there, you knew whether it was house of cards or the crown, whatever you watched would be great. Mm -hmm. So so it's kind of like, are we going to cut Netflix? But then you think about, you know, I get why Netflix has all this content. There's so much pressure on these companies to continue to grow and make money. So, you know, and and and, and maybe these, maybe they shouldn't be so big. Maybe they shouldn't always be growing and, and, and you know, because maybe maybe not the, the bigger, bigger isn't always better for these companies. So it's interesting, yeah. but I don't know what shareholders will think of that. So well, it's a very interesting kind of uh, dynamic. I mean, it's so early. I mean, we can say just yeah. about anything right now. And then in three weeks, there'll be another announcement or, an, I mean, so it just feels right. Like everything else we're kind of in this growth space, right? Where things are going to change and we're going to have to see like where it goes. But certainly I, I could see how that potentially could be the case that this could be the new, maybe not cutting the cord, but it definitely could be the new um, people are opting in and opting out. I don't know about you, but HBO was like, sick expensive at one point. And I was like, I'm going to subscribe for all of the Sopranos and then I'm going to back out and I'll come yeah, back. I mean, HBO has always <laughs> been, I feel like my go-to. I, I love it. And, and I do feel like even now, if I go on HBO max, normally what I click, I end up liking, yeah. um, which is so yeah. that's interesting, but um, yeah, it has been a crazy 10 days. Crazy. And, and I think that that's a big part of the conversation we're going to have, right. When we're in yeah. New York also too, is like, how do people, how, you know, how are they pitching you? Like, what are they coming to you with? Because you're, so tell me a little bit about your process because you're the media editor, right? So you have a team of folks that come to you and talk to you about what they're hearing about and you chase that all down. Tell me a little bit about what your team looks like at The Insider. How does that, how does your process work inside well, the newsroom? One thing that's really interesting is Insider is a huge, massive company um, and part of it is behind the paywall and part of it isn't. Mm-hmm. So I, my, I and my team, they're behind the paywall. So um so I think that's really interesting when I get pitches and it's something I kind of always have to explain pe- to people is what, um, and, and, and our reporters have learned or, and they, they tell people is what can this story that you're telling me to write, 
offer people that they cannot get anywhere else because they're also not going to pay the however good point 99 it is per month sure to, to to subscribe so either it has to be really new dishy information um which generally is not always pitched because normally that gossip you have to fight for a little more mm-hmm. um it has to be exclusive it has to offer a perspective or analysis that we wouldn't get anywhere else um or or something like that and i think that that more and more as you know people as you said are getting their news everywhere including twitter or social media it's it's harder and harder to get people to click and pay um so so i think that making sure that that it's something specific that you think the audience of business insider will pay for is 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 really important mm-hmm. um and and i think a big test that we have is would they, would you click and pay for this as a reader is that that interesting right. um because obviously there are stories that maybe not many people are paying by but are important to tell and interesting and and, that, and we do that of course too mm-hmm. well i mean and that's I think that that's everywhere, right? Same is same is true yeah. for the content just about everywhere. I mean, the same is true here in Washington. Same is true for for everyone because they're trying to figure out these new models and these new um, opportunities, which is cool. But you also spent some time. You mentioned um, covering um, members of not only the media but also Hollywood and that sort of space. Um, is there a story? Is there an interaction is there something that sort of sticks out to you as like a moment that either you really are proud of one that sort of just it was a learning experience like is there some is there something you can point to there i we here in washington dc our celebrities are on capitol hill or in the of white course. house yeah and so to us and this is funny because um, this weekend coming up, when this airs, it will have been last weekend, but the White House Correspondents' Dinner is like this big thing that happens here, as you well know, everybody knows, happens in Washington, D.C. when Hollywood comes to D.C. And Hollywood hates it. They, it's like, it's just gross because people are constantly like, can I have your picture? Can I have your signature? Blah, 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 all these things. And it's because in Washington, we are less impressed with that because that's just sort of like flash and image. And here, there's a lot more of like, oh, there's a member of Congress I have to go talk to. We have to interact about mm-hmm. business. So it's so, it, but when it clashes and it clashes at the White House, White House Correspondents' Dinner, it's like this weird mesh and connection. And anyway, so I'm curious if you have a story or two or something you can share about how it was for you to be covering that that beat and those kinds of people? So I think it's really interesting. I think one of my first weeks on the job right out of college at Forbes, and and I still do cover celebrities at Insider, and I've taken this with me. My editor at the time said, you know, one thing you have to do is never ask for a photo with a celebrity. And, And I think that just that little tidbit made me really kind of think about it in a different way. I'm so not a fan, and I think that the longer you cover celebrities, it's harder to kind of think of it like, oh my God, I'm meeting whoever. It's 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 your job. Just part and of the so, job. But I, yeah. Exactly. And I think that was a really important lesson. And it was obviously just one tiny thing, but it um, kind of taught me the way to approach this. And I think when I'm writing about them, it's interesting um, the way you talk about politicians, I'm writing about them as business people too. And so I think that kind of takes a little bit of the sheen off of them because at the end of the day, I'm looking at the numbers, the revenue of their companies, um, things like that. I'll say, for example, um, I'm trying to think of 
Yeah, I did a story on Tyler Perry that I, I loved. Um, he's an incredible person. And it was about how he built a billion dollar business. And, and it was so nitty gritty, the reporting on that story, to, like talking to real estate agents in Atlanta to figure out the value of his studio, talking to syndication experts about Medea. It was so nitty gritty that, look, Tyler Perry is an amazing man. And I was so excited to meet him and honored to, that he chose that he told a story to me and, and impressed. But at the same time, the reality of it is there's so much more to a story that is probably not that different to writing about, I don't know, you know, a, a banker, you know, there's so there's so much in there that is just writing about a person and their business, right? And not necessarily about the sheen. And I actually think you asked about pitching. I think that it's important when I'm getting a pitch that the sheen doesn't really matter that much. You know, someone will say, Oh, do you want to talk to XYZ a lister? And it's like, well, of course, I'd love to have dinner with them. But why would I want to talk write a story about them? Uh-huh. So I think and, and it's, it's not the sheen that makes you want to write the story. Mm-hmm. Boy, that is not the way the White House Correspondents Dinner feels, I have to tell you. It is like, it is, like, it is gross. Um, it, I have gone several times. It's oh, You've got to do it once. But it is really, it. I've had some really cool interactions and, and exchanges. I mean, I certainly, it was right around the time that the, the movie Jersey Girl had come out and bombed at the at the, at the theater. And uh, I introduced myself to Ben Affleck as the original Jersey girl. And he was like, well, that's hilarious. Should we take a picture? And I, so for all of the, <laughs> that was the, that was the one takeaway. The rest of it is like, it, it really is like a, um, it's just this, like I said, it's like this weird mix and a clash of cultures. I mean, it's nothing reminds you more of, you know, the phrase that uh, Washington DC is Hollywood for ugly people, which really is sort of (laughs) unkind to ugly people. Um, But it is one of those weekends that really is like, there's lots of events, there's all these other kinds of things. Um, And so curious to me, because because you do you cover business, you cover um, Hollywood, but it's, it's so uh, interesting to hear you say that because really, like, this is a transactional business, you're you are tasked and your job is to tell a great story and interesting to hear that Tyler Perry I mean certainly his, his it seems to me like he's someone who's really sort of figured that out and done some great things mm-hmm. absolutely um and I think that look that's kind of part of the the nice part about covering Hollywood is these people are storytellers it's a dangerous part too though because they know how to craft a story that is believable and compelling that might not be as true as you'd like it to be. I so I watched Flack and that was the first time I really sort of took away the difference between, you know, when members of Congress are poorly behaved, you have no choice but to tell the truth, right? You have no cho- you yeah. have and and it's like you have to be really crystal clear about at least that's the way I always approach my communications. It sometimes the member doesn't let you do it that way, but really like swift and honest action was the best way to approach it. And it was the first time that I really thought about like how campy and how real is this that these people are like, you know, creating the sex tape or doing the anyway. So, but yeah, the difference between the two, the difference between communicating for members of Congress and communicating for Hollywood always sort of strikes me as something that would be interesting and different, but I think also really difficult. How do you, um, how do you interact with, uh, you're in New York though. So a lot of what you do also is about, you know, the media space and what's happening in New York. How do you feel like things are now that we're starting to open back up. Does it feel, how's it feel in New York to you? Does it feel like things are coming back to, are you going to the office for instance? You know, I wish it was a little more open. I'm going in a couple times a week. Mm-hmm. 
which I love when I'm there. I feel so energized. I love being in a newsroom, although it's pretty quiet. Um, I do think that, you know, people on my team are going to conferences again and having source lunches. I had a coffee last week. It's so nice. Um, and those relationships are just so much more meaningful than anything you would do over email or the phone. Um, so I just, I'm so excited to meet you in person next week. It's just so nice to, to have that. Um, and I think that human connection too, you get more as a reporter, if you're having a coffee or a drink or a dinner with somebody than you would than you would from an email or phone where, you know, everyone wants to be in and out in five minutes, you get really interesting tidbits. I will say I've gotten much better about, um, you know, phone gabbing and kind of those, um, those chit chats on the phone where you can get little tidbits here and there. And I think Mm -hmm. it's important. And, um, I think we've had Uh, to, we've been forced to like get back on the phone again, where we were kind of getting, at least a little bit more reliant on email and, you know, text and some other things like it has forced us to actually physically pick up the telephone, but I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, to me, I think in our business, there's also like, there's a, there's a back and forth and there's a, there's a trust, there's a piece of trust that like you can't really get from a phone, even zoom. I mean, I, I started the podcast cause I liked having conversations, but it kind of felt forced to just pick up the phone. So it gives us a chance to like, chat about life and about journalism and all the things but we also get to know each other and now I know that like if I've got a story that's come through that's about you know entertainment or journalism or whatever I'm going to call you up and we're going to talk about it but I agree being back in person it feels like it feels like somebody's opened the window right like like we're back to like spring has sprung right absolutely and like thinking about it um like if I think about the 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 comms and PR people I call because I need help with something it's still those people who I have had a lunch with or a drink with or you know I just feel so much more comfortable reaching out to them for their Mm -hmm. advice or for their thoughts on you know a good source or whatever it is so I do think that those relationships are so important and I'm just so excited to 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 start doing that more yeah no doubt about it well so when fun part of our jobs I think too like the social aspect it's why we got into it because there really yeah. is, I mean, it's not just to be behind the desk. It's not just to be pitching stories. Like even, even with client work, like it's really hard to get a sense of like, what is the story that they're trying, that we're going to try to extract and that they want to tell without sort of physically being in the room. Like there's something that happens with body language and, and with communication. You also, when you're sitting with someone, you get that good brainstorming that goes on that doesn't necessarily go on over zoom. Cause people are like, we've got 30 minutes now. What are we going to do in these 30 minutes? Let's get it over with. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. I so anyway, so we'll get, anyway, we'll have a chance to do all of those good things in New York and not that long uh, away from now. Um, tell me, Maddie, what is keeping you busy when you're not covering these fun beats and doing these great stories with your team? Tell me a little bit about what's keeping you busy outside of the newsroom, outside of your, your daily work life. Yeah. I don't know if it's, um, work or play, but I've always been such a pop culture addict. So now I get to at least consume that and pretend it's being productive. <laughs> you know, I, um, I love reading and watching reality TV or, or things about what's going on in real, in pop culture. I, I love that stuff. Um, I have a dog, so we do lots of walking and running and hiking. Uh, it's finally springtime in New York, which is lovely. He's a crazy um, two-year-old mutt who could just run full speed ahead all day. So it's definitely <laughs> nice to have that warm weather back. And, awesome. Um, yeah, I, I feel like between that and, and then going into the real world again with friends, um, I feel I'm lucky I'm young and I um, 
and healthy. So I've been going back probably for at least a year now, but you know, the, it's kind of is continually on a ramp up, getting back to that normal. Let's meet for a drink tonight. Let's go out to dinner. We can sit inside, even if it's cold, if Love it's it. cold outside or, you know, that kind of getting back to normal like that. It does. It feels really good. And, and the best part about New York is obviously entertainment in terms of Hollywood and or not just Holly, I'm sorry, uh, Broadway and, you know, all the things that are available to you there. The same is true here in, in Washington. We had a chance to go to a dinner a couple nights ago and like went to a cocktail not, not that long ago. And it was like, okay, this is feeling a little bit normal. It's feeling actually really good. Absolutely. And, and even just like going, you know, sitting at a coffee shop, you hear so many good things. I feel like tidbits, um, if you go to the right ones, um, about, about what's going on. So I love doing that too. That's great. So, uh, Maddie, as we get to the end of our conversation today, I always like to ask, cause it's really been like a great way to keep the conversation going for the podcast. Is there someone that you work with, someone that you would recommend would be a good guest for a future episode? You know, my editor, Nathan, it would be excellent. I think he is so, um, smart and he's been at insider, um, for a while now, which I think would be a really interesting perspective to see how something has grown the way it has. I mean, even since I started six months ago, it's grown crazy. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to, to hear what he, um, would have to say about that. And also he has covered a lot of interesting things in the industry. He, you know, he's working on, um, a project on movie pass because he did a lot of reporting on that. And I think it's just so interesting to, to, um, to hear his perspective on it. That would be so great. Well, I'll tell Nathan that you nominated him and that, yeah. like I said, you know, it just, it helps with, with being, it's your, you will be a validator too. We'll be able to share your show with him. So he knows that we're having a good time over here on the podcast. Maddie, Absolutely. I cannot wait to meet you in New York and I am just so, so grateful for your time today. Let's do this again soon. Yes, I cannot wait. Thank you so much for having me. And that's today's Friday Reporter Podcast a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. Thanks so much. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.